The Bain Free Radio Hour. On the podcast, the Bain Roadshow takes to space, virtual space now, the solar system and beyond the infinite tomorrow. Plus, we continue with the complete audiobook serialization of David Weber's Uncompromising Honor. All right now. Welcome to the Bain Free Radio Hour podcast. It's an honor to have you along. I'm Bain Senior Editor Tony Daniel. This time we talk with Bain Publisher and my boss, Tony Weiskopf. Tony discusses the national hunkering down moment. She talks about how it affects books, readers, publishing as a business, and science fiction fandom. Tony also provides insight into what Bain Books is doing to better serve our readers now and in general. She's also art director here at Bain, and she talks about the selection of the great art for the covers. We also talk a bit about a new anthology that's coming up called Give Me Liberty Con. Tony edited this with Christopher Woods, and it's full of great Bain author stories, all in honor of this man named Timothy Bolgio, who was a wonderful, well-beloved fan and fan writer. He's passed away whom everyone adored and who was always found at LibertyCon in Chattanooga, which is a convention a lot of Bain writers attend. So Tony talks about that anthology as well. The interview is a great overview of what's going on at Bain with authors and their books. And if you are a reader of Bain books, which you are, you'll really want to hear this. Plus, we continue the complete audiobook serialization of David Weber's Honor Harrington series masterpiece, uncompromising honor. Now here's the news. We mentioned before the virtual Bain Roadshow that we've been doing and will be doing. Tony talks about it a lot more in a moment, but these are virtual versions of what we do at conventions, which is present new and upcoming books. And we do this by showing the art that goes into the covers. Always cool to see the naked art there. Naked art. And then the cover. And when an author is at the convention, we ask him or her to talk about their books. And they give some really interesting insight into their works at those times. We also give out free swag and, here's a tip, free books, especially to those who provide wise and witty questions or comments from the audience. And now, at the Bain Virtual Roadshow, we have all the authors, a lot of them anyway. It's a big video call conference with lots of authors in the Bain lineup there talking about their books and taking questions from readers. So how do you watch and listen to this thing? These virtual roadshows are available live at the Bain Facebook page and also will be available on the Bain YouTube channel. They go out live as a Facebook event that you can watch and participate in. You don't have to have a Facebook account to watch, by the way. You can just go to the Bain Facebook page and find it there. A link to that, the Bain Facebook page, can be found on the Bain.com homepage at Bain.com. The link to the Bain Facebook page is right over there on the left-hand column. You'll see it right there. And we also record these things, so you can watch one that's already happened. When is the next virtual roadshow taking place? Well, if you are listening to this on the day it is posted, the next roadshow is tomorrow, April 18th, 2020, at 4 p.m. U.S. Eastern Time. I will not embarrass myself by attempting to do the math for wherever you are. Even if you are in Eastern Time, I might mess it up. Can you subtract by zero? Or does that equal infinity? I forget. Anyway, check it out. Saturday afternoon, evening, or Sunday morning, wherever you are, at 4 p.m. U.S. Eastern Time. Join in the discussion, and it will be perpetually available to catch up on if you can't join in then. The Bain Virtual Roadshow is coming at you with good stuff. And don't forget our new program of author readings on Friday nights either. That can be found streaming on the Facebook page as well. We'll talk more about that in a moment. It's kind of fun to see some of the authors, too, 
and their pets, which sometimes are cavorting in the background there during the roadshow calls. The Bain Virtual Roadshow is coming at you with good stuff. We're with you. We have the books and authors you love. So check out the roadshow for more. want to welcome Tony Weiskopf to the podcast. Hey, Tony. Hey, Tony D. How's it going? Pretty good, considering. Um, Tony Weiskopf is the publisher of Bain Books. She also wears many other hats at Bain, including editor of books and uh, art director. She's also an editor of anthologies, including an upcoming anthology that will be out in, uh, I think it's July from Bain. And maybe we'll want to talk about that at some point. We certainly will on the podcast. That book is Give Me Liberty Con, which she edited with Christopher Woods, right? That's his name, is the co-editor. Mm-hmm. Tony is also highly active in science fiction fandom and has been for decades and has won some awards for that side of her activities as well. So I, the main reason you wanted to come on is to provide maybe an update or, or overview of what's going on at Bain during this big moment of sort of national hunkering down and and what's going on with books in general, maybe. Okay. Well, I'd be happy to happy to talk about that. Um, uh, we are. I, I like the phrase "hunkering down." Um, I used to to live in Athens, Georgia, and uh, "hunker down" was one of the things that the Georgia Bulldogs did on a regular basis. So, um, I like that much better than national panic or um, uh, other crisis uh, oriented words. Um, so, yeah, yeah, we're 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 definitely living in the interesting times, and um, and and we're seeing some changes uh, at Bain. Um, I like to think they are positive ones, um, and that uh, we're, we're we're getting to do some things that um, that we've wanted to do for a while, and we and we now have the the chance to do and the audience to do it for. So, um, one of those things is to do a um, recording of the Bain Traveling Roadshow. This is a um, well started out as a slideshow back, I believe, in 1990. the The earliest that I know that I did it was the Worldcon in The Hague in 1991, and I'd been doing it for at least a year before then. So, <clears throat> um, so probably call it 1990. So it's something we've been doing for 30 years now. Oh my God. And uh, uh, and has been available only at conventions. Uh, you had to go to a convention in order to see uh, to see the slideshow. Um, and what we do at the slideshow is we show a, a picture, uh, the co- the cover art. Um, we commission all of our cover art as uh, as original art from science fiction artists. And um, so we, we we like the chance to be able to to appreciate the art as art because it is fantastic, beautiful, wonderful art. Um, the visuals that we have for our books, I'm just um, just so pleased uh, to to work with the absolute best in the field. Um, so we get a chance to to show the art off as art, um, and then we also show the book covers. Um, and I have to say, we also work with the best in the field for our cover uh, cover designers, um, Carol Russo and Jenny Ferries. Um, so we get to show off their work as well, um, and we get to talk about the books, and um, and we take we take questions from the audience. Um, and from the very beginning, these things have been fairly raucous affairs because you know Bain readers are Bain readers, and uh, you know we've turned the lights down, and and uh, you never know what happens when uh, when you turn down the lights on a bunch of Bain readers. So um, I'm kidding here, but <laughs> I don't think you are. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, we 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 always have a good time at the Bain slideshow. Um, so we call it yeah. the Bain Roadshow now because it has evolved into a PowerPoint presentation. Um, we try to keep it as, as simple as possible, um, still adhering to original principles of show off the beautiful art and look at the beautiful covers and talk about the books. And uh, we've we've gradually rolled in um, other people. Uh, I'm not the only one who gives the uh, the road show anymore. Uh, Tony Daniel gives the road show. Mark um, Mark Van Name and Jenny Ferries give the road show at Balticon every year. Um, uh, Jim Minns, um, another editor at Bain, has, uh, has has given the road show. Hank Davis has given the road show. Uh, Greg Reinhardt has, has given the road show. So. Um, we've had uh, we, we get a lot of input on it, um, and of course we also we also like to involve the authors and any artists who are at yeah. conventions. That's that's so much fun to have them come up and 
and talk about their 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 stuff. It really, really is, uh, and uh, depending on who is at a convention is is who you get at the roadshow. Um, so it uh, sometimes it's just me talking my head off, and other times um, I can hardly get a word in edgewise. Say Dragon Con uh, <laughs> when we have a lot of authors <laughs> at a, at a convention, um, and uh, David Weber and Eric Flint and and, and Larry Korea and John Ringo and and uh, Misty Lackey and um, no, all, all of our authors have at one time or another um, if they've gone to a convention that's had a roadshow, they've, they've been involved um, with with the presentation, um, and we've tried to uh, um, uh, figure out how we can get that roadshow experience when we don't have a convention. Um, and one of our uh, one of our editors, uh, Christopher Rocchio, um, has come up with a plan so that we can do that. Pretty much, um, we we had the first roadshow last Saturday at four o'clock, just just where it would be if you were at a convention that weekend, and. Um, uh, we we got a bunch of authors in and a, and a lot of commentary. We had over a thousand comments on Facebook while we were giving the uh, giving the presentation live. Um, just absolutely fantastic. So uh, um, we got we got that element of interaction with the audience that is that is integral to uh, to to the to the presentation. I was really really pleased to get that. There were great uh, great questions for the authors and um, appreciation of the artwork and just as at a Bain slideshow at a convention, there were people from the audience who were answering other people's questions. So, uh, so I didn't have to answer all the questions because our fans are so knowledgeable about um, about our authors and about our books and about how we do things. They're able to answer the questions that the other other readers have, and that is that's part of the Bain experience. And it's just great to be able to share that with the online audience that uh, that we all are now in the Great Hunger Down. We also give out some free stuff, even in the virtual version, right? We did. We did. We absolutely did. Um, at the at the Bain Roadshow, um, if you were going to a convention, we would throw you some beads or we'd give you some bookmarks or uh, some other form of swag. Um, but we also hand out free books, and uh, we were able to do that um, in this iteration of the Roadshow, too. So the, the free books were free e-books or free e-arcs. Um, I didn't actually get to take a physical book and throw it out into the audience like I, like I often do, but... Um, it's probably a little bit safer the way that you know you do it in the virtual show. But yeah, we were able to give out free books. Um, Christopher awarded uh, free books for good comments, and also we did a random drawing um, among the first 100 commenters, um, uh, people to uh, to to give comments. We we handed out free eBooks, and we were able to deliver the eBooks uh, within minutes of closing out the show, which is you know again just Christopher just right on it and. Um, able to get that experience as close to live uh, and in person as possible. So um, the good news here is that if you're listening to this and going, well, that sounds like fun. I wish I had been there. Um, you can be there. We recorded it, and we uh, it's up on Facebook now. You can watch it on our Facebook page. Um, Christopher is going to be polishing it up, and it will be on our YouTube page forever. Um, so you'll be able to catch it there. But we're also going to do another one this Saturday, also at 4 o'clock, with a whole new and different lineup of writers. Um, this Saturday we're going to have, who are we going to have? We're going to have David Weber and Eric Flint, so you probably won't hear much of me at all. Um, I believe Chuck Gannon's going to be in at the beginning. Um, Catherine Asaro's going to be there. Uh, let's see, Will McCarthy's going to be there. Dr. Rob Hampson's going to be there. Bob Butner's going to be there. Um, Steve Steve Miller of Lee and Miller fame is going to be there. Um, we hope uh, Sharon as well, but we'll we'll see how that how that rolls along. Um, so we've got a great lineup of, of authors uh, for this one too. Um, and I, yeah, you know, this has been so much fun to do, and I think the authors really enjoyed it too. That I think we're going to make this a regular thing, and that even when we stop hunkering down and, and conventions start back up again, and we actually see each other in person, I think we're still going to do this just to be able to reach the people who can't get. To the uh, conventions. Uh, last week uh, we had um, Larry Korea was on, so that's a good thing to go back and watch. He was talking about his uh, his projects. Um, we had Dave Butler and uh, and Tom Crapman and a bunch of a bunch of writers. Um, I'm trying to think of who else. Uh, T. C. McCarthy and 
uh, Christopher Smith, um, who uh, did a book with uh, Ringo and Casey Azell uh, this January, um, Gunpowder and Embers. That was that was really good. And Mike Massa, yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we yeah, yeah, yeah we had we had a great lineup for the for the first episode. Oh, and Casey Azell, she's going to make it for episode two. We um, we think she had to have technical difficulties trying to log in at four in the morning from Japan. So you know, we're, right. we're giving her giving her another shot. <laughs> well, we had uh, all of these guys, by the way, of course, been on the podcast, and we've had some some nice interviews with every one of those. What were the – all right, so if you're listening to this on Friday when the podcast drops, um, that means Saturday, the day after, which will be April, let's see, 16th, 17th, 18th, um, at 4 p.m. Eastern is when we'll, the, the roadshow will begin live. Um, and you, you can go to the Bain Facebook page to see this, right, and find this can um and uh, it's it, we we've logged it as an event so if you if you say that you're going to the event or interested in the event facebook will send you a reminder at the time as well so and you see the writers faces because we're doing the writers are doing it by virtual uh, uh meetings meeting software and so you see everybody right it's not just uh it's not just verbal which is really cool um because some people are surprisingly different looking than they are sounding sometimes. <laughs> well, I think sure. all of our writers are beautiful and or and or handsome. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, yeah, it's great to be able to see everybody's faces and uh, and also to see the different backgrounds that everybody chooses. Um, we got to see a little bit of uh, Chris Smith's new puppy uh, in uh, in his background. That was cool. Um, Tony Daniel was apparently on several different planets. Uh, <laughs> I just kept up a snowstorm the whole time. I just I, I didn't change my virtual background until after, um, but I I left it on snowstorm all during the show. So. I, I do see that you can now you can now hire a llama to attend your uh, your company's professional meetings. So it'll be interesting to see if anybody <laughs> appears as a llama. Um, but uh, but that is not the only thing that we are doing. Um, we also have a new Friday night. We are doing a new Friday night live readings, um, and so these are live readings again on Facebook. Um, and authors are doing readings from um, upcoming uh, manuscripts with Bain, and then they're doing a little Q and A afterwards. Um, so it's live. It's you can you can interact with your favorite authors, and, and uh, something to do Friday night when you can't go out to your you know, whatever it is that you usually did on Friday night. So, um, uh, so we had uh, Larry Correa, let's see, Dave Butler, Larry Correa, and Steve Barnes were the first three people um, who did readings for us. Um, and we've got, uh, I think, I think we've got uh, Christopher Rocchio is coming up next, and we've got other people lined up. Um, and again, this is something that we're we're planning to do as long as the lockdown goes along. But if it's, it's it, but if it's a popular thing, we'll 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 try to continue it um, afterwards. Um, this may be news to Christopher, but uh, you know this is the price of success here. So <laughs> it was his idea, and he's been hosting them um, and doing just a fantastic job. Um, he's he's uh, he's got two computers going, so. He's uh, monitoring the questions that the readers type in at the Facebook page, feeding them to the author, um, and also watching the author and and um, and interacting with him as well. So kudos to him. And that's Friday night, um, which will be um, the seventeenth. Will be the next one. So and and we're going to just continue um, doing this on Friday night. So that's something that can be uh, that can be scheduled. Uh, uh, listening and, and watching for folks. So tying into that too, uh, we're doing a special discount program, um, and uh, we did uh, for for this month, the month of April, um, tying into um, Steve Barnes's novel with Larry Niven and Jerry Pornell, Starborn and Godsons. Um, we're doing a 25% uh, off of the ebook for uh, Starborn and Godsons, and 50% off of the two books um, also um, preceding it in the series, uh, Legacy of. Perot and uh, Beowulf's children, so you can get the whole series in uh, w- with with nice fat discounts as ebooks, um, and um, I, I will have to say they are really really good books. Um, if you like hard science fiction, you are going to love these books. Yeah, um, and I uh, last podcast I did a big old 
uh, news spiel on that as well. So um, the listeners should be well aware of this uh, great, great um, knock off, uh, knocking off and uh, discounting of the price on the, on these books. Um, just maybe we could, uh, by the way, I also want to remind everybody that the podcast uh, continues and these uh, reading tips that I've been dropping. Um, I dropped a bunch last week and I'm going to continue to do maybe one or two a week um, now. And just, uh, to, and, and really part of the reason is, first of all, it's because I've been at Bain forever, not as long as Tony, <laughs> but I know a lot of stuff about like where some, some little, uh, tricky discounts are like what you can get free on the, on the free library and stuff. And, um, where there are omnibus editions that are a little bit cheaper than buying all three books. If you might want to just take a whole series on, uh, things like that. That's what I'm doing with the reader tips as well. And we're continuing with that. And, um, but speaking of eBooks and, and our discount of, uh, Starborn and Godsons and the Hero series, um, what are you thinking about? What, what's the state of books right now and what's the state of, of Bain within uh, publishing um, how how's it look out there I mean our audience is readers and readers who uh, you know this is a big part of their life is reading for sure um, well I, I, I think uh, I think publishing along with the the rest of the economy is um, taking a deep breath and holding it um, we're waiting to see how the economy is going to emerge out of the last few months, um, we are seeing some some changes in print publishing, um, in particular. Um, there, uh, one of the big book printers um, was. Uh, uh, was in bankruptcy protection before this, um, or was going into bankruptcy protection before this, and now is in bankruptcy protection, and that's going to affect all of the uh, traditional, the, the big five uh, publishers, because all of them use this printer. <coughs> um, and the reason they all use this one printer is because it didn't used to be one printer. It used to be several printers, and now it's one printer. Um, so that's going to be interesting in terms of scheduling books. We are seeing bookstores, um, as in all, with all retail that are not quote unquote essential, um, are, uh, uh, how they're going to emerge out of this is going to be interesting. So I think, um, I think print, print publishing is, I don't, I don't think, I, I don't think anybody knows how print publishing is going to come out of this. Um, Bain is uniquely positioned to be able to survive all of this because, um, we do eBooks and we've been doing eBooks without DRM since 1999. Um, and a large, Portion of what we do in, in our core audience buy ebooks. Um, they buy the ebooks. They buy the e-arcs, and these are great ways to um, to support the authors. And we have not changed what we do one single bit, other than to add these new programs in um, in the selling of ebooks. So. Um, we, as a company, have not been hit, luckily, with uh, with any um, injuries from COVID-19, um, the Wu flu, whatever you choose to call it. Um, our, 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 our people are all healthy. They're all producing. Um, all of our authors are fine. All of our artists are fine. Everybody's doing good and doing what we always do. Um, the artists are making paintings. The authors are writing books. The editors are editing. The designers are designing. Everybody's doing their job. Um, so we don't see any slowdown in the pipeline. We don't see any change in the pipeline. Um, we don't see any changes in the schedule. Um, everything should, from the reader's end, be just exactly um, as they expect it to be. Ebooks are um, sometimes a little bit for those that love print books. Um, it's it's a sometimes it's a tough sell. The people that have hung on to their love of print books, but um, can you? You read ebooks sometimes, right, Tony? Not really. No, I, I am one of those uh, those dinosaurs that I you know I like the feel of the print book. Uh, I like the experience of reading a print book. I like holding a book in my hand, um, and uh, and I, I I am one who who has who has clung to that. Now I don't. I, I'm not. Um, 
I, I, I treat my books as tools, right? They're 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 the means for the story to be um, delivered to me. Um, I don't I don't worship the books, and and I treat them badly, and I dog ear the pages and all like that. And and I don't particularly care whether it's a hardcover or a trade paperback or a mass market. It's you know I, most most of the time that's you know I I, I just can't, I did I just want to have the book in my hand. Um, I don't find reading ebooks to be the same experience. Um, or listening to audiobooks. But I I am perfectly happy to sell you the audiobook or the <laughs> or the ebook if that is if that is the way that you get uh that you get your story on. Um I'm I am completely good with that. I I I I don't think that the way that I do it has to be the way that you do it. Um and uh so um so I think you know for for the print book people um you know we're we're still planning on doing print books that's that 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 isn't changing um where you get your print books from that may change um we we just don't know which bookstores are going to survive we don't know which retail outlets are going to still be there um in a few months hopefully all of them hopefully everybody makes it through that would be awesome that's my vote well, I mean, I love ebooks, and I, I often will read ebooks, and uh, you know, I'm a big audiobook fan um, as well. It, I just I feel like there is a chance for those that are stuck on one particular uh, format to try something different, just for the heck of it, and see if see if you like it even. Um, I'm not asking you to do that, Tony, because you're the dinosaur of dinosaurs, of course. As you know how stubborn I am, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, you know, it's it, if you ever thought, hell, man, maybe I'll just try that Weber in an ebook. Uh, this might be the time to do it, right? I mean, it, yeah, yeah, it absolutely might be um, for sure. Um, just remember, you know, you you can't use your ebook for toilet paper if things get really, really scary. So, <laughs> <laughs> or to start fires. <laughs> Right, and you can't do that with main books either. But other publishers' books, that's fine. That is fine. Uh, that's right. <laughs> How do you think, as a fan and a super fan, uh, what? How do you think this is gonna play out with with science fiction fandom? Um, it's got to be. I mean, all these conventions have been canceled. Um, it just, it's a bummer. It really is, um, and I think uh, I think it's going to make people very sad. Um, we 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 are losing conventions. Um, there there was a convention in Louisville conglomeration um, that this one this year was going to be their last year. So when they couldn't do it this year, there is no next year for them. Um, there are other conventions for whom last year will be the last year that they just don't have. Um, the institutional vitality uh, to be able to go without a year, and that is sad. Um, I think you know part of fandom is getting together. Now, back in the old days, the way that we you know we were, um, you know, and I'm not talking you know the old old days, you know, nineteen nineteen twenties, nineteen thirties. Before we had conventions, we got together through social media, right? The social media of the day was magazine um, letter columns and fanzines and writing to each other and, and that sort of thing. Um, so in a way, we're kind of getting back to that. Uh, but part of, you know, part of fandom is the social aspect. It's just getting together in, in, in great numbers and, and being fans together. And I, I, I don't think that's going to change. Um, I think we're going to have that. Um, what I personally would like to see is is the spring and summer conventions that are being affected by this doubling up with fall conventions in their area, so that uh, so that we you know that we we can we can keep the experiences going. But uh, but but you know that, that that can be that can be tricky to work out. So um, my only consolation. Um, and that's an interesting word, is because there's a huge online conference on Facebook, over 30,000 people, I think now, called Consolation, um, that started out as oh, a joke, as so, as so many as so many Finnish things do, um, and has grown like Topsy. Um, it's got a dealer's room and an art show <laughs> and merchandise and all the sorts of things. It, it has charity drives and all the sorts of things that you would want in a uh, you know from a convention. Um, people are hanging out over there. 
and doing the best that they can to have their convention experience there. Uh, but if that's a little too big for you, then you should try Give Me Liberty Con, um, which is like a convention in a book, um, including con reports and uh, fan history and uh, charity auction, the whole nine yards. Um, it's, uh, it is centered on uh, one actual real-world convention called Liberty Con that's uh, here in, in my hometown, Chattanooga. <clears throat> and uh, it's in memory of uh, Liberty Con's founder, Timmy Bolgio, who was an engineer at TVA and a uh, um, big-name fan and uh, just an all-around great guy, and you will learn more about him throughout reading Give Me Liberty Con. Um, the other things that you will get with Give Me Liberty Con are some really, really great stories. Uh, we got a, a bunch of authors uh, contributing stories, including David Weber, um, who's, uh, I, it wasn't his original idea, but he certainly ran with the idea and made it happen. Um, he's got a new Arver story in Give Me Liberty Con, and it's a really, really good one. Um, if you read David Weber to, because David makes you cry, this one will make you cry. Um, and I'm, you know, that makes me happy. So. <laughs> I mean, um, the thing about Liberty Con is there's a lot of Bane writers that go to Liberty Con, and it's been canceled this year, um, which is a bummer. But, and so this is sort of, you know, the, it's not the ghost of Liberty Con. It's a really, it, it's like it, it's still happening in a way. Um, and these, these writers, they know Uncle, you know, they knew Tim, um, and, they, and they know this convention, and, and they wanted to do their best work, right? And especially since, you know, the publisher was editing it. Uh, so that Weber's like it's this is not a thrown off stories this is good stuff in this anthology it is and, and if you like uh, Larry Correa audiobooks uh, there's a new Tom Stranger audio uh, uh, non-audio story uh, in in this volume um, when uh, Dave David Drake has a little fairy tale for you, as only David Drake can tell fairy tales. <laughs> um, yeah, there's some, there, there is there, there is some really great stuff. Um, Christopher Woods, it was his idea. Um, he's a, a newer writer, uh, new to, newer to the field, and uh, he came to Liberty Con and went, oh, I have found my people. Um, really enjoyed the con, loved the welcome that uh, Timmy and his family and his convention family gave to uh, Christopher, and he wanted to pay it for it. Um, and he thought, well, you know, let me do let me do an anthology that uh, uh, that tuckerizes that redshirts um, all of the volunteers in Liberty Con. Now, Liberty Con is not a big convention as conventions go, but it is run on volunteers. So there were over a hundred people um, who signed up to be uh, Tuckerized in this book, and by God, Christopher got everybody in. <laughs> Sometimes more than once. Um, so, uh, so we have over a hundred people who are uh, real, real people who are mentioned uh, in in the stories in this book, and it's kind of fun looking for those as well. Um, and uh, Christopher himself has a, uh, a story in this in his Fallen World anthology, um, and it's a it, it's a very very strong story too. So um, pleased to have that. Chris Kennedy has a has a story uh, in there as well. Um, Chris Woods writes for Chris Kennedy, and vice versa. Um, over at Chris Kennedy Publishing, and I will mention that we sell some of their eBooks too, so you can get their eBooks at Bain.com. Yeah, that's right. And you can, uh, we should perhaps bring it up since we do it at the road shows too, which is that um, at the Bain retail site that our selling of eBooks, we also distribute third party, other publishers, um, really great stuff. People that we have, uh, you know, pretty strong relationships like Chris Kennedy books and, uh, and uh, Kevin J. Anderson's um, um, press, which is called what again? Um, <laughs> it suddenly slipped from my mind. Word fire. Word fire, word fire. Yes, okay. It is Kevin Kevin yeah. J. Anderson's uh, uh, Word Fire Press. Yes, and we just we just have a lot of um, of of other publishers that sell through our site, so you can find book, which is just at bain.com. That's how you get there. Most most of you all will know that that are listening. We should Go mention ahead. too that uh, some of some of our writers who uh, do, who do some self published work, um, like Sharon Lee and Steve Miller, they will also sell um, that work through Bain dot com. Um, we, we distribute it, and we've got a new one coming up from Sharon Lee and Steve Miller um, in their Splinter Universe series. So, 
Yeah, and all the Ring of Fire books are there, and uh, and and Larry Korea's um, his gaming novels, which many people might not know about, are are there. Mm-hmm. Those uh, are fun. At the road show, um, we were generally what we do is we talk about the future uh, books that are coming. What were some of the highlights? Do you think of uh, of the virtual road show, and what will they be? Uh, what can people look forward to? Well, I'm really excited this season about um, the the Jerry Parnell program that we've got going. Um, we uh, we got to publish uh, Jerry's last collaborative novel with uh, with Steve Barnes and Larry Niven, um, but we're also getting to publish his last solo novel. Um, this is the long-awaited um, Janissaries, uh, the culmination of that series. Um, it's a book called Mama Luke's, and uh, Jerry had been working on it for a long, long time. Uh, had a brain tumor, recovered from the brain tumor. Um, wrote a almost final draft, um, and uh, and then unfortunately passed away. Um, and uh, we got the we got the almost final draft. It was really really good, and uh, it was just missing two parts. It was missing the um, it was missing the final battle sequence, and it was missing the denouement, where everything gets wrapped up. Um, it was very clear exactly how Jerry wanted it to go. Um, it was clear what he wanted to do with it. Jerry had had long conversations with his son, um, Commander Philip Pornell of the U.S. Navy, um, how he wanted that final naval battle to go, and uh, he had left us notes on uh, the themes that he wanted brought out um, in, in the final part, and it just it wasn't a complete novel without these things. Um, so we asked David Weber to work with Phil and uh, and give us these these last parts, and that's exactly what they did. Um, they 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 took Jerry's draft and they turned it into a final draft. Um, so uh, I think it's going to be very satisfying for um, for Jerry's fans, and um, I'm I'm just just pleased as punch to be able to to bring it to you guys. It's a really good work of military science fiction. I'm very very proud to to have it out there, and that one is coming in what June July June June it is June yeah it's a yeah it's a June title so. Yeah. Um, we've got a string of really good hard science fiction stuff coming up, too. Um, uh, in July, we've got Battle Luna uh, by Travis Taylor, Tim Zahn, Mike Williamson, Casey Yazil, and Josh Hayes, um, which is a, a shared universe about um, the uh, the battle for independence in the near future um, uh, set on the moon. Very, very excited about that. Really strong. Um We've got um, The 11th Gate just coming out um, from Nancy Kress. Great um, adventure science fiction, very, very thoughtful science fiction. Love, just just so much fun to read. Um, I, I, I mean, I could go on and on about this, but we've, we've got a whole string of really, really strong books I'm, I'm, that I'm you know, just delighted to be able to present to you guys. Probably talk about the Valkyrie Protocol um, on Saturday, which is a, uh, a new Weber out in fall. Um, That'll be cool. And um, is there a Larry book in the fall? I'm trying to remember if there's a Korea. Um, yes, we have Destroyer of Worlds is coming out. Right, of course. Yeah, yeah. Which, which is the uh, the third book um, in the, uh, the, <laughs> the Bane trilogy. <laughs> of, um, so probably five or six books, yeah. <laughs> yes, that's right. But but it's a big one, and Larry's really proud of it and, and happy with it. So that'll be cool. That'll be a uh, September. The, yeah, if you want the sneak preview of that, that's what Larry was reading from in his Friday Night Live uh, session. And a new Lee Aiden book in December with um, Trader Sleep. So some really cool stuff that, that we talked about there. Also great, we've got a new Debane author coming out in September, uh, Night Watch by Tim Akers, um, and uh, a, a fun uh, original anthology, Weird World War Three, edited by Captain Sean Patrick Hazlitt um, of our Army. Um, We've got Serpent Daughter coming from DJ Butler, uh, Agent of the Imperium, which is which is neat, and we'll talk more about that one when it comes up. But it's the it's the third edition of a uh, traveler novel by Mark Miller, so that's exciting. Oh, and Founder Effect um, by Rob Hansen and his sister Sandra Medlock. Um, 
Thank you, dog. The dog's very excited about this, too. So, <laughs> um, The founder effect is uh, what I'm reading right now, as a matter of fact. Um, and, again, part of this really strong string of hard, hard SF that we've got going on. Um, it deals, a bit, deals with what it takes to actually settle um, the first planet um, outside of our solar system. So um, that one's a lot of fun. Since I have you on, um, and you are the art director at Bain, um, talk a little bit about working with, with, um, we talked, you know, we had a big old long interview with Carol Russo about a month ago and she, she was, um, talked a lot about how it all comes together and everything. And, you know, she kept, you know, talking about the artist and this and that, but, um, you know, the, the art comes to her. Um, how do you make the art happen? Um, you know, talking about how long I've been at Bain, um, Carol's been at Bain longer than I have. Um, and some of the artists that we work with have been at Bain longer than I have because they started working with Jim when Jim was at Ace. So <laughs> not even at Tor, at Ace. Um, and that's when Carol started working with Jim. So so these relationships go way, way back. Um, I'm talking about Tom Kidd. I'm talking about David Mattingly, who did the first ever um, sell piece for Bain Books, um, a Paul Anderson cover. Um, I'm talking about Steve Hickman, um, talking about Bob Eggleton. Um, these, you know, th- these guys have been working with us for a long, long time, and uh, they just keep getting better and better. Um, so, in, in a sense, my job as as art director is very is very easy. Um, is that I, I take a look at the book and I figure out what would be the best feel for the book, and then I assign the art on that basis. Um, Because I am the art director and the publisher and uh, the person who signs the checks all in one, I I, I, can, I have a little more um, freedom to choose the best art than a lot of other publishing companies do because I, I I don't have to necessarily say well this won't fit my budget I can I can I can go ahead and look at the bigger picture and I can say well this artist is going to be the best for this book um, so uh, um, so I can have Tom Kidd put uh, to do uh, do the artwork for um, Overruled which is a reprint anthology um, edited by uh, Christian for Rocky and Hank Davis in-house. Um, and it was a fantastic cover. And in fact, it so inspired Tom that he wrote a story for it. So first he did the cover, then he wrote the story. Um, this isn't, usually it's the other way around. <laughs> but in this yeah. case, we got, well, to, we, we got to do it that way. We did interview him last week, and he told us the whole story. Whole tale of that, and Tom likes to talk about his art. So, in, ge- in general, um, we will have uh, we'll have a manuscript in from from the author. I'll, I will assign it to an artist, um, and that artist will give me a series of sketches. Um, depending on the artist, it'll be um, six or seven, or it could be one or two, um, or it can just be. Um, you know, sometimes Bob Eggleton will send me one sketch, and I'll go, "Yeah, Bob, that looks fantastic. Do that," um, and that's how we go. <laughs> Um, I mean, some a lot of publishers just like they couldn't afford Eggleton, you know. But it, not just that they couldn't afford him; he just won't work with them because he doesn't need to. But he works with us. Yeah, yeah. I but I I I am the art director, but I I try um, I tried to be as minimally invasive um, as possible in my art direction. I mean, most most of my art direction is picking the artist. Um, uh, yeah, and then sometimes I will um, I will get nitpicky about elements, um, especially about about swords and weapons. I have to admit that's you know that, that that's something that will press my buttons, and I will try to make sure that those are as accurate as possible. Um, but um, uh, but but most of the time I. I, I I pick the artists because I want their vision. Um, I want their input into how these things look. I don't want to. I don't want to be prescriptive about it. I want them. I want their interpretation because they're brilliant artists, um, and that's why we're paying them to do this. You know, to, to, you know, to, to give us these visuals. I don't want. I don't want somebody to to give me my vision. I want their vision because um, their vision is going to be so much better than my vision. <laughs> 
Um, so, uh, so uh, yeah, we have we have a great bunch of people who do, who do our covers. Um, uh, Kurt Miller and Dominic Harmon, and um, uh, just recently uh, Melissa Gay has done some some nice covers for us. Um, and uh, Adam Byrne in England is also doing some cool covers. Todd Lockwood does some covers for us. Um, and uh, who am I missing? Daniel Santos. Yeah. yeah. Um, Sam Kennedy is another uh, younger artist who's been doing some great work for us as well. Um, so uh, I, I, I'm just, you know, just yeah, really yeah. happy to be working with these people. You bring in new talent as well. We keep, the old guys keep getting work and the old girls, but new talent keeps coming in too. It's Yeah, 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 for sure. Um, Alan Pollock is the... Is another we might mention. Yeah, he's the he's the artist for the uh, Monster Hunter International series. Um, just you know, fantastic interpretations there. And um, um, and you brought up David Mattingly, who of course does the uh, the and, and Dave Seeley is one. Oh, um, Dave Seeley, yeah. But you know, <laughs> there's so many. We've uh, we've interviewed a bunch of these guys, by the way, and there's there's plenty of uh, there's some really nice uh, stuff they've talked about their art and working with Tony uh, on the podcast. Um, you know, I was just gonna say that's one of the things that I miss about going to conventions is seeing the art shows, um, seeing the art in, in person, and and uh, be and, and that's one of the things that I do when I go to conventions is I do look for uh, for new talent. So. You should just shove your portfolio right under Tony's nose, right? That's that's the way. <laughs> that that is not the way to do it. And then hand her a manuscript while you're at it. <laughs> so. Right. Actually, Tony Daniel is the one you want to corner for these. Uh, <laughs> no, yeah, we're, we are kidding. I'll, yeah, are. I'll say, you know, you have to give that to Tony. I'm sorry. Yeah. So yes, we're of course we're kidding. Um, uh, the and you know we've many times talked about the wonderful uh, submission process we have at Bay. We do, of course, always take um, unsolicited submissions uh, via the website, and we have the most excellent Gray Reinhardt looking over those. Um, and we and we do look what, at portfolios online as well. There is an art submission policy um, that we have there too, so you can look that up. And I, I will look at online portfolios. So. Just looking forward um, into your crystal ball, what what do you see as for some as the future of Bain kind of question? I don't know what else to ask it. Well, the mid to long long term is always is always fuzzy, um, you know. But there are no plans to change anything that we do. Um, uh, we roll along and we do what we do. We have our niche. I think we fill it very well. Um, I'm very pleased with the 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 stories that we're getting in and the artwork that we're getting in and uh, and the 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 level of reader interaction that we're getting is is, is always good. Um, so I, I I I'm not seeing any indications that we need to change direction. Um, we uh, there are, there are ways that we'd like to be able to to get to more readers. Um, and one of those things is we just uh, we just signed a deal. Um, a, few, a few months ago with Overdrive, which is the uh, the library uh, jobber for ebooks. And uh, if you get your ebooks mostly from libraries, you can start requesting Bain books, and they should be able to get them to you. Um, so that's one thing that we've been that, that we've been working on. Um, so just continuing to explore ways to get stories to readers is is, is what I see um, for for the near term. Um, and I don't see that I don't see that changing in the long term either. Anything else that we want to we want to mention or bring up? Um. Well, I think you know I think we hit the high points. Um, we are trying to 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 reach out on our social media and to make contact with everybody while we're uh, sheltering in place um, and uh, give people uh, good entertainment while they're there and something to think about while they're there. Um, and uh, we, we don't see we don't see us changing that. If you have suggestions for other things that uh, we'd like to do, um, you'd like to see us do, we we want to you know we want to hear them. Um, come to my table on Bain's Bar, or you know send us a suggestion by by Facebook or email us. Um, send us a letter. You know we're still picking up the mail. Um, so uh, yeah, we want to hear from you guys. Well. Um... Reading is going on. Bain is uh, moving forward. Um, I want to thank uh, Bain publisher Tony Weiskopf for talking with us uh, today. Thanks so much, Tony. Oh, thanks for having me, Tony D.
Here is another entry in David Weber's Honor Harrington series masterpiece, Uncompromising Honor. Honor keeps her promise. The Salarian League. For hundreds of years they have borne the banner of human civilization. But the bureaucratic mandarins who rule today's league are corrupt and looking for scapegoats. They've decided the upstart star kingdom of Manticore must be annihilated. Uncompromising courage. Honor Harrington has worn the Star Kingdom's uniform for half a century. Very few know war the way Honor Harrington does. So far, hers has been a voice of caution. But now the Mandarins have committed atrocities such as the galaxy has not known in a thousand years. They have finally killed too many of the people Honor Harrington loves. Uncompromising vengeance. Now Honor Harrington is coming for the Solarian League and hell is riding in her wake. And now, David Weber's Uncompromising Honor. SLNS Leonhard Euler Unicorn Belt Manticore B, Star Empire of Manticore Sir, I think I've got something here you need to look at, Midshipman Demas said. That would make a nice change. Commander Bill Knight sounded more than a little sour, although that was scarcely Demas's fault. In fact, Knight liked Demas quite a bit, more than an evaluating officer was supposed to admit to a midshipman on his snotty cruise. Demas was smart and competent, and so bouncy he reminded Knight irresistibly of a Labrador retriever he'd had when he was a kid himself. That dog had been smart too, and despite what some people might think was possible, he definitely had a sense of humor one that had gotten both him and his youthful master into what his mom had always referred to as a heap of trouble more than once. Demas's humor never got him into trouble, or not at least with his superiors. His fellow snotties might have disputed that value judgment, but he loved practical jokes, and he was an accomplished amateur ventriloquist. His ability to mimic sounds and throw his voice into unlikely places had kept midshipman Styles running around the compartment looking for his lost Unilink for almost 15 minutes a couple of days ago. Young Demas had also won the Lester Allen Kovalenko Prize as the top math graduate in his senior class, however. He'd been the starting goalie on the Saginami lacrosse team during his junior and senior forms as well, and he took the team's motto, live life fearlessly, to heart. In short, he was an outstanding young man who was going to be an outstanding officer, none of which made Bill Knight any happier about their current duty. There were a lot of things he'd rather be doing than sitting on the command deck of yet another Hulk Solly Super Dreadnought. Unfortunately, he wouldn't be doing any of them for the immediately foreseeable future. He grimaced at the thought and shoved up out of the captain's chair at the center of Leonhard Euler's bridge. He wasn't certain who Euler had been, a mathematician, he thought, but his namesake had seen better days. Less damaged than a lot of her consorts, she'd still suffered over 400 casualties, and lucky it hadn't been worse. Not that anyone looking around her pristine bridge and smelling its cool, fresh air would have imagined how severely damaged she was. He crossed to the communications officer station where Demas was ensconced. Knight had been forced to concede that young Demas had a better touch with Solly computers than he did. He hoped that didn't say anything about unfortunate hidden character flaws on the young man's part. But what had started with Demas riding shotgun, shadowing the older and more experienced knight while he learned his way around, had segued into something a lot more like a partnership, and the boy had more than held up his end. Along the way, they discovered that the comm system actually had the best reach into the ship's computer net, although no one was quite certain why the comm officer had needed more access than, say, the tactical officer or the astrogator. Probably because there's a right way, a wrong way, and the solly way to do just about anything, he reflected as he came to a halt at Demas's shoulder. Although, come to think of it, wrong way and solly way is probably redundant. So, what have you got, Elijah? He asked. I've got the standalones running the deep core analysis, sir, the middy said, looking back and up at him, and Knight nodded. The reason he and Demas were currently parked aboard Leonhard Euler was that, for their sins, they were among the better of the Royal Manticoran Navy's cyberneticists. In fact, both of them had been assigned to HMSS Wayland prior to the Yawada strike. Knight had been aboard the space station for almost two T years before the strike, 
assigned to the R&D side of its complement because of his expertise. Demas had been sent aboard for his snotty cruise deployment to give him the hands-on, real-world experience his academy instructors had been unable to provide, and he'd ended up under Knight's mentorship. They were alive today only because Vice Admiral Faraday, Whalen's CO, had called an emergency evacuation drill, which had left the entire R&D staff planetside when the deadly sneak attack tore the space station apart. Technically, Demas' snotty cruise had ended five days ago, but things were still badly unsettled following what had been dubbed the Second Battle of Manticore. The lad had been left where he was, assigned to Knight's team, for the forensic examination of the wreckage. The commander hadn't told him he'd specifically asked to be allowed to keep his midshipmen a little longer, because he was so good at his job. Nor did young Elijah know about the glowing efficiency report Knight had already composed. But the same gift for computers and especially for deep diving into the cyber depths, which had made Demas so useful aboard Wayland, made him even more valuable aboard a hulk like Euler. One of the conditions upon which Massimo Filaretta's survivors had been allowed to surrender had been the preservation of their computer cores. Several commanding officers had scrubbed their computers anyway, which was why those particular COs were spending their current confinement in somewhat less than palatial conditions. Most, however, had honored their promise. A lot of them had figured quite reasonably, in Knight's opinion, that after what the RMN had done to Sandra Crandall, it already had plenty of classified computer banks to play with. There were unlikely to be any shattering new intelligence landfalls in 11th Fleet's memory. At the moment, Knight and Demas were busy probing the memory of their 12th super dreadnought, and they weren't the only team involved in the effort. And so far, no shattering new intelligence had come to light which tended to suggest those captains had had a point. Demas's standalones were designed to carry out a point-by-point comparison between Leonhard Euler's memory and the computers they'd already stripped. There was far too much data for any mere human to sort through, and in theory at least, the standalones would make sure anything that wasn't already in the database was added. The communications logs were another matter, however. Computers did a wonderful job of searching for things they were told to look for, and they were doing just that with all of the comm traffic. But in something that tended to be as freeform as interhuman communication, telling them where to look could sometimes be a non-trivial challenge. That was why he and Demas had made it a point to at least skim the traffic for the last couple of hours before the Solarian surrender. The computers were looking at the same time frame, but it was entirely possible they'd missed something. Should I take it the standalones have found something earth-shattering? Knight asked now with a smile. Actually, sir, the middy said seriously, I think I really may have found something. Like what? A fragment of a calm conversation between Leonhard Euler and Philip Oppenheimer from about the time the Sollies opened fire, from her flag bridge. Knight's eyebrows rose and Demas nodded. You're kidding, the commander said. No, sir. Demas shook his head, and Knight's eyes widened. They'd been searching for some window into whatever insanity had led Filaretta to open fire in an absolutely hopeless situation. Unfortunately, none of 11th Fleet's surviving units had been in direct communication with Admiral Filaretta or his staff at the critical moment, and Philip Oppenheimer herself was not among the survivors. They'd found a few megs of recorded comm traffic between Oppenheimer's CO and other units of the fleet from that time window, but nothing that came from her flag bridge or that shed any light on his decisions. So if his midi, somebody on this ship was actually in communication with Filaretta when everything went to hell, he demanded. Not quite, sir, Dima shrugged. What I've got here is part of a conversation between Leonard Euler's comm officer and one of her cousins, Captain Sedgwick. Knight's eyes narrowed. Captain Reuben Sedgwick had been Filaretta's staff comm officer. It's from the comm officer's private files, not part of the official logs, Demas continued. Maybe that's because there wasn't time to worry about anything like that before everything hit the fan. Or it might be because they were violating regs tying up bandwidth on personal matters at a moment like that. I could see that. Knight nodded, trying to imagine what would have happened to a Manticoran communications officer who'd been gabbing away with her cousin at a moment like that. 
It's not quite as bad as you may be thinking, sir, Dima said. They weren't on any of the active command net channels. They were talking on one of the redundancy sidebands. Marginally better, I suppose, Knight allowed grudgingly. But if this wasn't part of the official fleet traffic, why do you think anyone's going to want to see it? Well, I sort of doubt that Captain Clarence, she was Leonhard Euler's comm officer, has any idea there was anything significant in what she had here, sir. For that matter, I'm not even certain she realized she'd recorded it in the first place. If she did, though, I can see why she'd kept her mouth shut since we started beating the bushes trying to figure out why Filaretta opened fire. What are you talking about? Knight demanded a bit more impatiently, and Demas gave him a crooked smile. Let me show you, sir, he said, and hit the playback button. That was another entry in the complete audiobook serialization of Uncompromising Honor by David Weber. And that's it for the podcast. Thanks to Audible.com and to podcast theme composer Ruth Jedkowitz. And a red and gold satellite done up with the Bane logo to hang overhead during reading hours and illuminate her manuscripts with a soft glow of goodness. Plus, many thanks for her words of reading happiness. For Tony Weiskopf, Bain publisher and editor of upcoming anthology Give Me Liberty Con. Please join us next time here at the hammering heart of science fiction and fantasy and keep reaching for the stars. <laughs> <laughs>